attend worship and whenever we participate um, in singing and listening to preaching and praying and all the things that we do whenever we gather, we should really try to forget about ourselves as much as possible. And we should try to focus exclusively on Jesus and what he's done for us. That's what I love about this song. I said that to the first service and uh, I, I really believe it. I really believe that whenever we gather as a people that our focus should be on Christ and who he is. Now, I know that we show up with things on our minds and things on our heart, and, and we need answers to certain life problems. But you know, the best way that we can find true ministry is to thinking about him and thinking about what he has prepared for us in the future. Jesus told his disciples that he was going to prepare a place for them. And so I want to talk about eternity over the next three weeks. Uh, over the next three weeks, uh, I'm going to be talking about heaven, I'll be talking about hell, and then I'll have a different sermon today uh, that's kind of related to both of those from Revelation chapter 20. I want to invite you, if, you're, if, if uh, you haven't already, just to open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 20 as we try to, as we try to set our minds on things above. That's what Jesus, uh, that's what the Scripture tells us to do, to set our minds on things above. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 through 2 says, we We've been raised with Christ. We need to set our minds on things above, set our hearts on things above. And that means that we think about eternity. We tend to get lost in a sea of problems and all the different things that we do here on this earth. And I find that a lot of people don't even really think a whole lot about the future as far as the future on the earth. A lot of times we just get, we just get so caught up in the here and now and so caught up in what's right in front of us that we don't think about what is even beyond uh, this life. And so this morning I want to talk to you about eternal judgment. I know that's not a topic that people really care to hear whenever they come to church. Woo, yeah, I'm going to talk about judgment today. Uh, well, I mean, some of you might like that. I mean, some of you are like, oh, yeah, man, I like those, you know, toe-smashing, you, know, uh, 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 you know, sermons. Really, You know, get after them, boy. I know that some of you are probably thinking that right now. But typically, most people, whenever we say, well, we're going to talk about judgment today, we're like, I came to hear something positive, to be encouraged. I feel like that there is something very, very positive that the Bible has to say, even about judgment. And so today we're going to talk about punishment and rewards. Punishment and rewards. Jesus spoke about this a lot. He talked about eternity in light of punishment and and rewards. And so if you really think about it, if you, if, you, if you boil down what the Bible says generally about eternity, it's simply this, in a statement, that in eternity, unbelievers will be punished and believers will be rewarded. This should shape the way that we live. Uh, this should inform and shape everything that we do, everything that we say, and how we live our lives. Now, obviously, there is a lot more than Scripture says than just that. But if you boil it all down, really and truly, that is the summation of what Scripture tells us about what's going to happen after this world and life is over. That there will be punishment and there will be reward. Here's a couple of passages uh, to where we see this side by side. This is just a sampling of two passages, Romans chapter 2, verse 5 through 8, uh, talk about this idea of life 
and this idea of wrath and fury. The sheep and the goats illustration from Matthew chapter 25. Jesus clearly tells us there's going to be those that are on the right, those that are going to inherit the kingdom, uh, those that are going to have eternal life, and then there's going to be those that are on the left, uh, those that will face eternal punishment, those that will face eternal fire. Uh, and that there's, there's really just no in-between. But what we see in Revelation 20, which is going to be the main, our main text this morning, in Revelation 20, we see when these things actually happen. In Revelation chapter 20, we're going to read about a, the scene in heaven that is yet to happen, that won't happen until history is finished. We're going to read about this scene in heaven where punishments and rewards are given out. I call this uh, the, well, it's called the great white throne judgment. I call it the kickoff of eternity. I know some of you have been watching a lot of football lately. This is kind of the first thing, the kickoff that happens in eternity, and we have it recorded uh, in Revelation chapter 20. So stand with me as we read these verses together, uh, what is commonly called the great white throne judgment. This, this quite could possibly be the first event in eternity. And I'm going to explain that in just a moment. Here's what it says. Revelation chapter 20, starting in verse 11. Then Jesus saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away. No place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Let's pray. God, today we want to open our hearts. We want to open our minds. We want to open our spirits, Lord, to receive your word. We want to hear what you have to tell us about eternity. We want to grasp and understand the importance of judgment, Lord, whether it be punishment or whether it be rewards. And so, God, today I pray that you would speak to your people, and I pray that you would show each of us where we stand before you today. And we offer this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. If you've ever read the book of Revelation, if you've ever studied the book of Revelation, you see kind of a timeline, if you will, or really a progression of events of how end times happen. Now, I personally believe the book of Revelation is future-oriented, that it tells about events and times and places and things that are yet to happen. Now, not everybody believes that. Uh, some people believe that there are a lot of events of Revelation. Some people believe that all the events of Revelation have occurred. Uh, but I personally believe, as most of you do, that the book of Revelation is about end times, about things that are going to happen in the future. And we see this progression uh, in Revelation chapter 1 through 3, uh, Jesus speaks to the churches, and then we see something happen after that in about, about 
15 and a half verses are spent talking about what we call the tribulation. All of these events on the end time that haven't yet happened but are going to happen. Warnings, if you will, about things that are going to take place. It's in these 15 and a half chapters that we read about all the seals being broken and bowls of wrath being poured out and, and monsters and beasts and all of this apocalyptic language to describe some things that are going to happen in the future. And then after that, in Revelation chapter 19, we see Jesus returning. We see him coming on the clouds, driving a white F-150. And then after that, immediately after that, we see the millennium. This is a thousand-year period reign on earth where Jesus reigns on earth for a thousand years. And then at the very end of that, we could even call that the final thousand years of human history. Right after that, we see in Revelation chapter 20, the final defeat of Satan. Satan is thrown into the lake of fire along with the beast and all of, uh, all of the, the, the hosts of evil that have harassed mankind uh, ever since the beginning of time. Uh, Satan is defeated. Sin is, is defeated. And then what I call the kickoff of eternity is this judgment, the great white throne judgment. This, qu this quite possibly could be the very first thing, the very first event that happens in eternity. And it's basically just one big judgment. And uh, we see that the earthly reality, we saw in the, in the, in the opening verses here, it says uh, that, uh, uh, th that from, from the presence of the throne, earth and sky fled away. As, as if earth and sky and heaven and sea and all of the, the things that are temporal, they kind of fade into the background. And we see Jesus on a throne in judgment and the Bible clearly shows us that at this judgment, that there's going to be a whole lot of people. Again, I th in, my, in my mind, this is the largest gathering of people that has ever happened. And the Bible shows us and teaches us clearly that everybody will be judged. Everybody will be judged in eternity. Everyone that has ever lived... Everyone that ever will live from this day until the great white throne judgment, we will all stand before God and we will be judged. The Bible says great and small. It doesn't matter if you were little known, if you were a person in obscurity that nobody knew, you will be there. It doesn't matter if you are among the who's who of the world and your name is in the annuals of history you will be there, great and small. God will gather people before him for judgment. We see that even the sea gives up the dead. I mean that God would round up and exhume bodies from the ocean and reassemble mankind before him. And the whole purpose of this great assembly, which seems like the greatest assembly of mankind ever, the whole purpose of this assembly is judgment. That's the whole reason behind it. And it's not going to be some group judgment where God is going to take categories of people and judge them in categories. 
the scripture really shows us that it will be an individual judgment, each one of them. Now listen, I don't know how God's going to do this without it taking a really, really long time, but he's God. He knows how to do things. The scripture says each one of them. You will not be able to hide behind your parents. You will not be able to slip into a group that you think is going to earn God's favor and hide with that group. The Bible says each and every one of us will stand before God's judgment seat and we will be judged. And this judgment will be based upon deeds. This judgment will be based, will be based upon how we lived our life and what we did or didn't do. The Bible says right here that they were judged according to what they had done. Each one of them according to what they had done. This is not the first time that the Scripture speaks about a judgment on, on the things that we do or the things that we don't do. Here's some verses for you. Again, just a sampling. Matthew chapter 16, verse 27 Jesus says there will be a repayment according to what we have done. Paul says in Romans 2 that, uh, that God is going to render judgment according to works. Romans chapter 14 verse 12 says the same thing, that we have to give an account of ourselves, an account of how we lived our life, how we acted the way we live, the things that we did. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, again, on the day of judgment, when we are before the judgment seat of Christ, there will be a judgment, whether a reward or a punishment, for what we have done. Peter says something similar in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17. Talks about being judged by our deeds. John, who wrote the book of Revelation, said the same thing. Matthew in chapter 12, verse 36, Jesus, this is frightening. Jesus said that we will give an account for every careless word we have spoken. Those things that you have whispered in the dark, those things that you have said behind the scenes, maybe even those things that you have even said to yourself. There is no thought, there is no word, there is no deed that is not going to be seen or it is not known by God. In fact, we see in Revelation chapter 20, there's a register of deeds. The Bible says that books were opened. And we see that in these books, there is a record of the things that we've done. Now, we shouldn't be surprised by this. I mean, as human beings, we, we keep records of certain things. For example, uh, last year on October the 15th, 2022, uh, UT beat Alabama. All right, so we have a record of that, right? Uh, amen, Tennessee fans. Uh, it is written down, and it will never, ever go away. I could go to your Amazon account, and there's a record of the things that you have purchased. Some of you are sitting here right now saying, hmm, would I want my preacher to see what I have been ordering on Amazon? There's a record of all sorts of things. College students, guess what? The grades that you make right now, you know this, they're recorded on a, something called a transcript. 
that many of you probably try to hide from your parents because you don't want them to see that bad grade. Do you know even when you're 80 years old, it is a permanent transcript of your grades. If you drop out of school right now and 60 years later decides you want to go, the first, first thing the college is going to say is, hey, we need your transcript. There's a record of, of, of academics. There's a financial records. There's purchase records. There's athletic records. There's all types of records. Um, there are, there, listen, there's even a record of your birth, a birth certificate. There's going to be a record of your death, a death certificate. There's criminal records, financial records, purchase records. There's all types of records that we have in this life. And if we're able to do that, can you imagine how meticulously our God is able to record records and to keep a register of your deeds. Think about some of the things that you've done in life. You're probably sitting there thinking, well, I, I've done some pretty good things in life, and maybe God will only see those. But you've also done some things in your life that you're probably not proud of, some things in your life that you would choose uh, to keep hidden. But the Bible says that nothing will be hidden. And on this day, with this grand gathering of humanity, at this judgment, there will be many people who will be eternally punished. Now, judgment can be good in terms of rewards, but judgment can also be bad in terms of punishment. And we see right here that there's going to be a pretty harsh punishment. In fact, I would say that this is the worst thing that could possibly happen to any human being ever. The worst thing that could possibly happen to us is that we be thrown into the lake of fire. This is so horrible and so terrible that it was originally prepared for Satan and his demons. And just a few verses earlier, we see at the defeat of Satan in Revelation chapter 20 that God throws them in, the, he throws Satan and the beast and all the evil demons, he throws them into this lake of fire. And now we see people, human beings, that are being eternally punished and thrown into this lake of fire. Now listen, I'm, I'm going to talk more about this next week. Next week we'll get, I'm going to talk more about hell, what it is and, and what it's like and it's not good. How, how many of you would want to stand before a holy God and have all of your deeds read and judged by God? Not many of us would want our register of deeds put on display and for judgment to be rendered upon us based upon our deeds. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, you know what? I've been a pretty good person. I mean, I've been decent in life. I think maybe my good deeds might outweigh my bad deeds. I thought, maybe. And some of you are going to go to the judgment. You're going to go to this great white throne judgment. You're going to be like, okay, Lord, lay it on me. I think I'm going to be okay here. I mean, on the scales of justice, I think I have more good deeds than I have bad deeds. Here's the problem with that. Let's pretend that you go out of here today and let's, let's pretend that you commit a crime. Let's say you kill somebody. 
let's say I walk out the door today and I get mad at somebody and I kill somebody and, uh, and the cops take me and they drag me before the judge and my only defense, yes, judge, you're right, I did kill that person and uh, no, it wasn't justified, but here's the thing. I mean, I've given life through my family. I mean, I, I've, I've helped, you know, well, I haven't, haven't helped give birth, but I mean, I've taken part in conceiving and giving life to four children. In fact, I, I've, I've raised six kids, and so I have given more life to the earth than I've taken away. I mean, I mean, I mean, I, that certainly that outweighs it, doesn't it? That I have given life to children and to human beings and raised them, but I've only taken just one life, and so certainly that is a good defense for me not being punished. Obviously, the judge would not hear that argument. How much more would God the judge listen to us as we try to justify our sin for some good works that we think would outweigh the punishment that we deserve for those sins? Certainly, that, that, that seesaw basis of works uh, on, on the scales of justice would not work. Clearly, no one is going to be saved in that way. When we really think about this judgment, when we, when we, really, when we really think about the, the fact that all of the things that we have done are going to be weighed by God and no amount of good deeds is going to take away the penalty, none of us wants to face that judgment. And here's the good news. There is a group of people that will escape punishment. They will escape punishment. There's another book. There's another book mentioned in this passage. This book is called the book of life. These people, it appears, are standing there safe, escaping punishment as massive numbers of people are being thrown into the lake of fire but yet they are escaping judgment. Why is that? Is it because of their deeds? No. Because we all know that we've, we've, all, we've all, uh, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all done something that is recorded in these books, this register of deeds. But our name is written in another book. And because of that, we find safety. Listen, if you've been born again, if you know Jesus as your Savior, you are in a completely different category than everyone else when it comes to the judgment. You will be treated completely different than what I just described about God going through a register of deeds and casting people into the lake of fire. You will not be treated that way. And there's only one reason. And that's because your name is written in the book of life. Think about it for a moment. Who is the person that is doing the judging here? It is Jesus Christ, our Savior, who died for us. I, in my imagination, I see Jesus saying, oh no, I know, what, I know what he did, I know what she did, but listen, I died for that person. That person belongs to me. 
That person is a child of God. I know what it says in that register of deeds. I know what they did. But as far as from the east is from the west, I have removed their transgressions. I paid the penalty for them on a cross so that they would not have to pay the penalty for all eternity in the lake of fire. And again, in my imagination, I see Jesus walking up to the bookshelf and I see him pulling off, oh, is this Scott Parkinson's register of deeds? Is is this Scott's? Uh Uh-huh, no problem. And slinging that book into the lake of fire and telling me that I can go and enter into heaven, not because of works that I have done, not because of deeds that I have performed, but because of what Jesus did for me on that cross is the only way that I'm going to make it into heaven. Here's some verses for you. John chapter 5, verse 24. Whoever hears my word and believes in me, he doesn't come into judgment. He's passed from death to life. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. As far as the east is from the west, has he removed our transgressions? He even says, I will remember their sins no more. That's good news. That's good news. Some people think when they get to the judgment that God's going to shame them. That I'm going to come up to the judgment throne like this. Yes, Lord, I'm a Christian. Yes, my name's in the book of life. And Jesus is going to shake his finger. And he's going to shake his finger at us and tell us about all those. See, even when you were a Christian, you did this. And even when you were a Christian, you didn't do that. And I told you to do this. And I told you to do that. But your name's in the book of life, so go ahead. Go ahead and go to heaven. It's fine. Do we really really think that Jesus is going to treat us that way? My Bible tells me that he's going to look at me and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Uh, My Bible tells me that if I confess him before men, that he will confess me before the angels in heaven. Jesus is going to look at you and he's going to say, that's my guy, that's my gal. Throw that register of deeds in the furnace. Let, let, Let them come and be a part. Enter into my master's glory. As a believer, I'm going to make a statement here. As a believer, you will never, ever, ever, ever be divinely and eternally punished for your sin. Jesus took that away. Earthly consequences, yes. God's discipline while you're here on earth, absolutely. God will discipline you, absolutely. There will be earthly consequences, but you will never be eternally punished for your sin. And when I say that, some people start freaking out. But they're like, well, now, wait a minute. You just told everybody they could do whatever they want, and they could act however they wanted to, and they could live however they wanted to on the earth, and it doesn't matter. No, I didn't say that. It absolutely matters. In fact, to believe that, to believe that just because Jesus paid for our sin and we're going to be in heaven one day, to believe, to believe that for that reason I have a license to sin, that is heresy. Plain and simple. Uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 8. It says, and why not do evil that good may come? Some people were saying that as the Apostle Paul preached, preached grace. And he's saying, listen, people who talk like that, their condemnation is just. 
He says, what shall we say then? Are we content, can continue in sin? Oh, it doesn't matter. I have grace. I can live however I want to, and I'm going to be saved no matter what. He says, by no means. That's not how it works. Your heart changes, and you want something different. And this is slander against God. To say that I can be saved and how I live doesn't matter, it is, it is a, hey, an ancient heresy called antinomianism. It is slander against God. And one theologian said that people who talk that way prove that they have never experienced the grace of God. When you experience God's grace... And when you realize that he is not going to eternally judge you, and when you understand where you're headed, what that makes you want to do is it makes you want to live for him, and not so that you can buy heaven, but so that you can receive rewards. This is what Jesus said is ahead for believers. Believers will be rewarded in heaven, not just rewarded with heaven, Jesus uh, is just clearly states in a lot of verses, and I'll, I'll quote them in just a minute, that we're going to re be rewarded in heaven as well. Uh, look what the Apostle Paul says. He says, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work, each one's work will become manifest because why? The day, judgment day, is going to disclose it. Now, this is not an issue of whether they're going to heaven and hell. This is an issue of rewards. Will they be rewarded? And he says, if the work that anyone has done, the work of serving Christ and loving Christ and living for Christ, if, if the work that has done survives, he'll receive a reward. There's a reward there. And it says, but if not, he'll suffer loss. In other words, won't have as much of a reward, but he himself will be saved. Um, this, is, this does not mean that there's going to be some kind of pecking order in heaven. Uh, I don't know how all that's going to work out, but it is clear that Jesus says, for example, when we pray, when we give, and when we fast in secret, that he's going to reward us. He says, I see it, and I'm going to, going to reward it. He's, he also says that we're to lay up treasures in heaven what, what does that mean? That means that whenever we use our, our, our money and our material goods to do His work, that there's some treasure that we're laying up and that we're storing up in heaven, some type of reward that we're going to have. Even if it's just an affirmation from Christ, even that is a reward that ministers to us. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 through verse 25 Paul says, in a race all the runners run, but in this Christian race, he says, run that you, might, that you might attain something. What is he trying to attain? He's not telling Christians to live good lives so that they can be saved. He's pushing them towards serving Christ and loving him so that there will be a reward. Just like a runner receives a perishable wreath, that we would receive one that is imperishable. And then in Philippians chapter 3, he says some of the same things. He says, press on, strain forward. Strain forward for what? To try to earn heaven? No, but to strain forward so that we can attain goals, so that we can serve Christ, so that we will receive an eternal reward. And he says, let those of us who are mature think this way. We don't, just, we don't just have some kind of get-out-of-jail-free card because we got saved. 
we want to we don't want to we don't want to show up in heaven with with nothing in our hand just like the wicked manager that that didn't do anything we don't we don't want to be we don't want to be that person we don't want to barely skate through we want to show up in heaven and we want to be rewarded we at least we want to hear well done thou good and faithful servant no we don't work for heaven and we don't work to try to miss judgment but we absolutely work for rewards. So let me ask you this. Will you be punished or rewarded in heaven? There is no in-between. There is, there, there is there, in eternity rather, there is no sliding into eternity unnoticed where you receive neither punishment nor reward. Will you be punished or will you be rewarded in heaven? Here's another way I could ask that question. Are you confident that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life? Are you confident? You do not want to show up at the great white throne judgment, the kickoff to eternity. You don't want to, you don't want to, show, up at that, at, you don't want to show up at that unprepared. You don't want to show up saying, I hope so, I think so, maybe. You don't want to face God with this seesaw of good deeds and hope you've done enough. Listen, if, you, you, if you're hoping that you've done enough, let me just tell you, you haven't. And you never will, and you can't. Jesus has already done on the cross everything that is necessary. And you need to have that confident assurance that comes from the Holy Spirit where, where he, His Spirit testifies with your spirit that you are a child of God and that you belong to Him. And you should be confident in that. Are you confident in that today? Do you know that you're born again? Let's all stand.